0: Thank you, Mr. President. Distinguished delegates, Israel is a lighthouse in a stormy sea, a beacon of democracy, diverse by That was is Israel's
1: new Prime Minister Naftali Bennett last week, making his debut on the world stage at the United Nations General Assembly in New York. Bennett had just passed the 100-day mark of his administration since the coalition was sworn in in June, ending the long reign of Benjamin Netanyahu. Bennett talked about how his new government has brought calm and stability to Israel after four elections in two years. Some observers, including Netanyahu, predicted the government wouldn't last this long. But Canada's former ambassador to Israel, Vivian Berkovich, is giving the Israeli leader and his team an A report card so far.
0: Because uh, they've done what was considered to be the impossible, they are continuing to do the impossible, they're serious, they're motivated they are as idealistic, I think, as a government can be in terms of understanding that they are there to serve the people and to get a job done and to restore some honour and dignity to the way government operates.
1: I'm Ellen Besner, and this is What Jewish Canada Sounds Like for Wednesday, October 6th, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Vivian Berkovich was a Toronto lawyer and proudly pro-Israel when Stephen Harper appointed her as Canada's ambassador to Tel Aviv in 2014. She was let go over two years later when Justin Trudeau became prime minister. She's remained in Israel, taken out Israeli citizenship, and she's been busy. She's a sought-after speaker, she's writing a book, and she's launching a new English-language media platform. Plus, she consults, she's on the boards of several companies, She did settle her lawsuit against the Liberal government for firing her, but there's the non-disclosure agreement in place, so she doesn't talk about it. She is, though, still pursuing a complaint with CBC's ombudsman about the network's coverage of her private business interests. Berkovich flew to Toronto to visit her family, and coming up, we'll hear from her about why the Bennett government has passed several key tests, Canada's relationship with Israel, the Trudeau funding of UNRWA, Arab crime, Biden's Iron Dome bill, COVID, and Iran. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now.
0: I'm Ariel Fisher in Michigan, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like.
1: There's a new exhibit open called Periphery, both online and at the Prosserman Jewish Community Centre in Toronto. And you should look at it, because it showcases the diversity of the Jewish community. It's done partly through a series of portraits of Jews of all backgrounds, ethnicities, and sexual orientation, But it also has a documentary that showcases interviews with 12 people, including some prominent names, such as Deviani Saltzman, whose grandfather was weatherman Percy Saltzman, and her mother is the filmmaker Deepa Mehta. And you'll also hear interviews with Nobu Edelman. He's the son of Sid Edelman. Nobu is in the film world, too, and he's founded Choir, Choir, Choir. The show was put together by the No Silence on Race organization and the Ontario Jewish Archives. (laughs) Armed with her two COVID vaccines and her third booster shot, Vivian Berkovich is spending time decompressing in Canada from the pressure cooker that she calls life in Israel. And she joins me now. Um, So, you know, we've got a report card to to give. Um, What has the new Israeli government had to face in the last four months, the major tests that they've had to face? Should we list a couple?
0: Um, I think the first major test was surviving. And um, not only have they done that, I think they will continue to do that. So I think those are two really important tests that the government has established itself. It's established its authority. um, It is seen not only domestically, but also internationally as being credible, very credible. Um, And they're actually governing, you know, Um, they're, they're getting stuff done. Because it's such a bizarre, you know, spectrum that sits in the government, right? It's really from far left to far right. Um, And they're not going to find ideological um, synergy on many issues. They can find um, pragmatic synergy. And that is what they're doing. You know, and there's a lot that needs doing because it's been neglected for years. So, you so know, for, trans- example, for example, Prime. for example- For um, example, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, uh, which was effectively gutted under Netanyahu, particularly in the last five, six years, um, restore their budget, restore their honor, um, start hiring adequately, giving them responsibility, for example. Mirav um, Michaeli, who is um, a, a female minister of transportation, um, and she's um, the head of the Labor Party, and she is totally fantastic. And um, no, I did not vote Labor, um, but I admire her tremendously, and she is doing a great job with roads and bridges and those kinds of things, right? And not politicizing it, and not just allocating, um, you know, money to places where her political supporters live um, and not blocking infrastructure projects on Shabbat, which the Haredim were doing. Um, so, I mean, those are just two of a gazillion examples of how things are actually working for the people in a way that they should. Um, a significant issue is uh, the very worrisome um, crime rate in Arab cities, towns, villages, which is really coming to a head. There was an incident I'm sure you're aware of a few days ago where um, police officers were assaulted in Kafr Qasim, which is one of the larger Israeli towns um, within the 67 so-called Green Line. And um, it's got to be dealt with. And this government will deal with it.
1: You, uh, you mentioned um, foreign affairs, the Israeli side. I wanted to remind our listeners that as far as the Canadian government's concerned, Mark Garneau, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, visited Israel and the surrounding Palestinian Authority territories and uh, literally three weeks or two and a half weeks after the Israeli government was formed in first week of July. And Canada's position um, has been to sort of lower the temperature during the hostilities and then give lots of money for bridge building to, you know, charities and or relief agencies in the West Bank and Gaza. Um, but, you know, you, I'd like to, to, to sort of unpack more about the, the Canadian government's uh, p- relationship with Israel uh, in, and what, you know, what, how you see its
0: effectiveness. Um, when I was ambassador, um, Minister Garneau came to visit uh, and he was, as are most people in the Liberal caucus, Um, determined to turn the existence of Israel um, into some kind of equivalency uh, exercise. So, you know, the fact that Hamas unprovoked shoots thousands of rockets at Israeli civilians intentionally over a period of a week or two in May um, is somehow to be equated measured against Israeli retaliations, okay? And um, I think that is philosophically, politically, ethically wrong. So when Minister Garneau comes to Israel as he did and talks about turning down the temperature, I'd love to have a chat with him, maybe you can arrange it um, directly and ask him what exactly he means. Canada, uh, at last count, um, gives UNRWA, which is a very problematic by any measure organization over hundred million dollars a year. Okay. Now, uh, we are one of the largest donors in the world to UNRWA. We are a huge donor to other NGOs that does not get counted in the UNRWA, um, total. And even the Europeans who have a, you know, challenged relationship with israel west europeans in particular um, they have started pulling back their funding for UNRWA because it's openly acknowledged and understood um, that many of the services that they provide are viciously anti-semitic and anti-israel and the organization is committed to the destruction of the state of israel but canada's there giving out money like it's like there's no tomorrow. And, you know, this is not a partisan issue. This is an ethical issue. I personally think it's obscene that Canada is doing that. Um,
1: The Iron Dome support from the United States uh, and the fact that it was held up. What is how is that playing out in Israel?
0: I think people are very concerned always. Um, And there's a lot of concern about Uh, the Biden administration, for reasons I don't have to tell you. Um, But for Israel, um, the more radical wing of the Democratic Party is a big concern, absolutely. And so a lot of what went on with this, you know, Iron Dome funding, in my view, was theater, but it was very powerful theater. Um, And I'd be be astonished if Israel is not working on... um, its own capability to produce the batteries. It's Israel's technology, right? The Iron Dome and batteries are Israel's technology. So if this kind of stuff is going to continue in the United States, Israel is going to have to develop a domestic capability to manufacture batteries, period, right?
1: Which brings me to the four-letter word that starts with an I, is Iran. What keeps you up at night?
0: Personally, and I think many Israelis would agree with this, I'm much more concerned with Hezbollah in the north, um, in Syria and, um, in Lebanon, it's, they are in effect Iran. Okay. We're dealing with Iran up there. They're a fierce fighting force and they're right on our doorstep. So, um, that, that, the, there are hundreds of thousands of, uh, very accurate missiles, um, hidden underground in Lebanon that can hit Israeli targets with precision. Um, and, and we know that. That scares me and worries me a lot more than Iran's nuclear capability.
1: Well, the IDF spokespeople and IDF generals have and even Bennett have been saying at the United Nations just a few days ago last week yeah. that, you know, there's a, a, a proxy war already. We're ready. We're going to be making
0: plans to hit back in the north uh, of our borders. What, what are you hearing about that? There's, uh, I was up north a few times in the last few months. There's a lot going on up there. You know, it's always kind of, it's, it's bristling. You can feel it. You can feel it when you're up there. You see the activity, you see troops. Um, you feel the tension. You can feel it. But it's no secret that that is the, that is the most significant military threat to Israel now, is Hezbollah
1: so report card on the Bennett government. It's four months. Give it a letter so far. So good. You were very complimentary earlier.
0: Let's give it a letter and end it there. I'm going with a, we were in the, we were in the, we were in the trough. All right. I felt personally that this was probably the most important election um, in Israel since 1948. We were at a juncture where it was a really serious fork. Um, If we continue down this road of, um, that we were on, uh, the country was not going to, it was not gonna be a democracy for much longer in my view. We were we were t- seriously heading towards uh, light theocracy and um, economically not viable. I give this government an A because uh, they've done what was considered to be the impossible. They are continuing to do the impossible. They're serious, they're motivated, They are as idealistic, I think, as a government can be in terms of understanding that they are there to serve the people and to get a job done and to restore some honour and dignity to the way government operates. And they're doing that. That doesn't mean that, you know, Bennett doesn't have, you know, a sneaky side or that Lapid doesn't have a sneaky side, right? This isn't like a whitewash and I'm not some kind of, you know, naive Pollyanna But I do know and believe that they um, understood that this is a critical moment for Israel. What kind of state, we're in this period now where, and I know there's a lot of thinking being done in Israel among intellectuals, among politicians. We're a mature country now, we're almost 75 years old. We're strong, we have the ability to defend ourselves. What are we going to become? What do we want to become? What kind of country? What kind of values? And it's very difficult to take a country whose psyche is completely geared to survival, right? To accepting that, okay, we're here. We're not going to cease to exist tomorrow. God willing. So what do we want to be? So I think that they have um, restored people. I know, I don't think. I know they have restored people's faith in government. They've demonstrated that Bibi Netanyahu, as skilled and brilliant and hardworking as he is, is not the only person capable of leading the state of Israel. And that's a really important, uh, really important step that had to be made.
1: And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily. It's sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. I want to remind you that we're getting closer to our 100th episode, folks, and our contest is open now. The lucky winner gets to be interviewed on the show. So you need to write to me and tell me why you should be on or perhaps nominate somebody else that has a worthy story. The contest closes on October the 24th. My email is ebesner, that's E B E S S N E R, at the CJN.ca. We'll end the show today with a clip from that documentary I mentioned, Periphery. It's about Jewish diversity in Canada. The video is streaming for free, and the link to watch it is in our show notes.
0: This is the thing about my father. My father put a lot of his energy into my mother's culture, you know, being from Japan, you know. He didn't really talk a lot about his family. Didn't really talk a lot about his upbringing. I think it was a bit traumatic for him. Not like anything terrible happened. I think he was just a bit of an outcast in his own family. And there were definitely, you know, things that he observed. And he was proudly Jewish. But he didn't want to impose it on us, I think. And then that led to me just like, I guess I'm Jewish.